This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll be talking to Carl Edwards of You Love Jack. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With ASB Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission for referring buyers and sellers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at asbcash.com for more details. First of all, today, let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. The Canadian House of Commons Committee on Access to Information, Privacy, and Ethics, that's a mouthful, held its third meeting last week regarding MindGeek's content moderation, with testimony by three alleged subjects of illegal videos, followed by presentations by a Canadian law enforcement expert, a Canadian domestic violence advocate, and two U.S. witnesses, Manhattan liability lawyer Michael Bowie and leading anti-porn activist Lila Micklewaite of Exodus Cry. The hearing was even more pressing against Montreal-based MindGeek, with the MPs allowing three witnesses in particular, the Americans Micklewaite and Bowie, plus the London, Ontario domestic violence victims advocate and anti-porn activist Megan Walker, to essentially run the entire second half of the hearing, asserting a number of extreme moral and criminal allegations against MindGeek, their executives and employees. This culminated in Bowie, who had not been listed as a witness and may have been representing some of the alleged victims who spoke earlier on, inserting on the record a prepared soundbite. In America, we have monsters. Harvey Weinstein. We have Epstein. MindGeek is Canada's monster. Bowie then characterized MindGeek, whom he claimed has been he has been investigating for years, as a bad, unaccountable rogue company. The U.S.-based, religiously-inspired Micklewaite was also allowed by the Canadian MPs to refer to MindGeek as the Mafia and to make unsupported allegations that they had threatened her and journalists. Bowie also, in a carefully worded language to avoid being cited for slander, said that the MindGeek corporate structure was something he had never seen before and likened it to something a law school might teach when covering money laundering. Last week, the Utah House of Representatives passed an amended version of a controversial bill that would mandate a default porn filter on any phones, computers, tablets, or any other electronic devices sold in the state starting in 2022. HB 72, sponsored by Republican Susan Pulsifer, a realtor with no technology experience, was speedily passed by the House only hours after it had cleared the committee stage by the narrowest of margins, a 6-5 vote. The bill was introduced into the Utah Senate, where it is co-sponsored by staunch anti-porn crusader Wayne Harper. The unusually swift overnight passage of the bill with minimal to non-existent debate flew under the radar of local and national news organizations, which had not yet reported on it by Friday morning. Pulsifer had attempted to introduce the bill last year when it died at the committee stage over serious bipartisan concerns about privacy and interference with interstate and international commerce. 
Earlier this month, Pulsifer invited anti-porn advocates to support the bill at the committee stage, including an officer for NCOSE, formerly known as Morality and Media, the leading national sponsor and founder of anti-porn legislation. Members of the Utah trade associations, tech companies, lobbies, and free speech groups all advocated against HB 72. If passed, the mandatory filters from which for-profit faith-based software companies have been profiting for some time would have to be activated by default in 2022 if certain additional conditions attached to the bill as an amendment are met. According to analysts, international manufacturers of phones and computers like Apple or Google could face civil liability if they don't comply. Pineapple Support has introduced Pineapple United, a membership club for the adult industry that offers a direct connection to the organization's staff and board members. We can't do what we do without community, said Pineapple Support founder Leah Tannett. It's not just an integral part of the adult industry, it's a key to better mental health outcomes. That's why we're reaching out to the broader community to get involved by becoming a part of our team. As a Pineapple United member, you'll be part of a committed group of individuals who have been invited to organizational meetings, have your voice heard, and help grow the organization. The following Pineapple United support packages are available to the industry. Mango, $10 a month. Banana, $25 a month. Kiwi, $50 a month. And Passion Fruit, $100 a month. Sponsorships are also still available. Visit pineapplesupport.org for more details. Adult Site Broker is a proud sponsor of Pineapple Support. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We are proud to announce for sale one of the top escort and adult entertainment directories in the world. This is a highly successful directory for escorts, massage, dancers, and fetish providers. The site continues to grow at a rapid pace. Despite the pandemic, 2020 profits were actually still up. The site offers adult entertainer ads for over 30,000 providers with an active base of 9,000-plus active profiles in all major U.S., Canadian, and U.K. markets. The platform has a very loyal advertiser base, allowing the owner to enjoy passive recurring revenue in addition to an impressive number of new advertiser joins daily. Revenue is also derived from third-party ad space from major advertisers that does not intrude on the website's beautiful, clean design, making the site stand out from all their competitors. Their SEO is very strong, with page one rankings in all major cities that the platform serves. Their backlink profile is the envy of the industry. You get all rights and trademarks for the company's proprietary products. This is a tremendous opportunity to buy a gold mine. The site's price has now been reduced for a fast sale, now only $1.9 million. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Carl Edwards. Carl, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Oh, it's my pleasure, Bruce. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. No, no it's, it's my pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you'd say that. That's awesome. Now, now, C- Carl is one of the true pioneers of the gay adult industry. Uh, from his early days as the owner of Bedfellow.com to you love Jack, which I'm sure you've heard of, 
and footwoody.com in his most recent venture, xxxedit.com. He's been on the forefront of technology and adult internet marketing. He shoots and edits his own content, manages his own affiliate program, and he codes and designs each of his sites from scratch. Now, this hands-on approach keeps him in direct touch with his market and helps him stay one step ahead of the competition. Now, Carl, you've been in the online adult game for a long time. Um, Since the late 90s. It's uh, it's, a, it's an eon in internet years. God, that is, that's like the beginning. Um, how have things you changed? Know, you know, I'll tell you, like just a little interesting aside. Yeah. Uh, my business partners and myself uh, actually processed the first third-party visa transaction on the internet. Oh God! Uh, way back in the day, like this is before CC Bill and I Bill and uh, DMR and all. Like, like it's just it, we go way, way back. So we were kind of breaking ground back then. But I that guess. was the heyday. Wow! So how have things changed since you got started? Oh, let me see. Uh, I guess, the, you know, the big thing, right, you know, when I started this, you could throw up a site uh, and literally you could throw up a site and make money within a couple days mm-hmm. and a lot of money. <laughs> and, it, and it just isn't that way anymore. There's still a demand for the content uh, and people are still consuming the content, but they're doing it in different ways. And you have to be a lot more savvy uh, in actually reaching your customers. It's not like the old days where they just sort of flocked to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, that's the big thing. But, the, you know, the the real thing is people are savvy in their consumption as well. Sure. And they have a very specific set of needs that, you know, you can't meet by throwing up a couple pictures in, in a two-minute clip. They're not going to be satisfied by that anymore. Uh, they're sophisticated and they're used to consuming content day in and day night. And unless you really raise the bar uh, in what you're actually showing them, mm-hmm. they're just not going to be interested. Yeah. Yeah. Now, back then, I mean, the entire Internet almost was porn, right? Well, as far as I was concerned, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I go back. Um, my background in the Internet uh, there's a, a company, uh, like a, a service provider in Canada called Simpatico, which mm-hmm. is run by Bell Canada. It's one of the big telcos in, in Canada. Right. And uh, they, they, when they first started, Simpatico was sort of staged. It was set up to be like Canada's AOL, only without sending you a million CD-ROMs in the mail. <laughs> and uh, I was actually working for uh, Simpatico. They hired me to program their children's entertainment website. Oh, that's hilarious. It was like early days of JavaScript and Netscape 2. And, you know, I made all these crazy games like Squash the Teacher and Bark Piano and all these fun things that kids would love. (laughs) Uh, And it was it was like the Wild West. Like we would just make stuff and see if it worked. And it was a lot of fun to go to work every day. And then all of a sudden, Bell Canada came in and realized, you know, that this was a cash cow. And suddenly they wanted corporate uh, bureaucracy put in place and content was being decided by committees and, mm. you know, all the fun, all the, all the soul got stripped out of what we were doing. And I, I turned to my friend, um, who I worked with in, in the bars way back in the day, he happened to work there as well. And I just said, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to start a porn site. And it was like, dot, 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 right. <laughs> you, you cut to the map as the plane flies across the ocean. And next thing mm. you know, 
uh, we've got Bedfellow, and it's it's the you know the largest gay porn site on the internet. So, wow. uh, and I say next thing you know, it's like two years later with working eighteen hours a day, and mm-hmm. you know being really savvy with our media buys, and really under, you know figuring out how to make the thing work. It wasn't like I don't want to make it sound like it was easy, mm-hmm. but it was compared to if we started today, right? Well, you didn't have the competition then. That's right, but the competition that we did have was fierce. Really, <laughs> it was just. It was just a different group. Like there was, it's funny because back then there was like three or four big sites that were our competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's three or four big sites that control all the traffic. So it's yeah. slightly different, but it's sort of the same. Sure. Now, is the market as strong as it once was? And why do you think it, it, it is or isn't? Well, I think yes and no. Um, I, I Like I said, I think there's still a lot of, ooh, that was a nice S sound. There's still, I think there's still a lot of demand for this kind of content, but the way that people are consuming it, I mean, everyone's aware that they can get content for free. Yeah. The, the, the tube sites have sort of pounded it into people's brains that this is not something that they have to necessarily pay for unless mm-hmm. they want something very specific. Right. So when I say it's fragmented, I mean, people are buying smaller and smaller slices. They're still consuming a lot on mass, but they're not necessarily buying a lot. Hmm. So it's you know it's you, you gotta sort of pry the money out of <laughs> you gotta pry the money out of their hands, right? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, why do you shoot your own content? Why not just buy it from a content provider? Oh, that's easy. Um, if I don't shoot it, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and double on that wasn't right? that wasn't they uh, that wasn't no I was gonna say that wasn't a pun or anything was it? I don't need Edith Wharton to to tilt her fan at me on this one. No, that that I mean, really, I have such high exacting stats. You know, I my background is in photography. I got my degree hmm. in photography. I have a bachelor of fine arts in photography. Wow, uh, from nineteen ninety, I'm that old. So I've always been an image maker. Uh, yeah. 1990, you're not old, dude. What? I'm 10,000. I turned uh, I turned 55 this year. Oh, and, uh, I got you beat. Remember, you probably remember in the 80s and 90s, the Freedom 55 commercials where, you know, people were walking around bragging that they were able to retire when they're 55. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I don't think retirement's part of anyone's future anymore. We just work until we drop, right? No. Uh, but no, I've always been an image maker, and it's something that matters a lot to me. And making something that not only looks good, but tells a story effectively, even if that story is you take off your clothes and you suck his dick, like, that's still a, the, the storytelling still has to happen in a way that's sophisticated enough for the audience that yeah. is consumed. Right. Well, yeah. And especially with all of the, uh, especially with all the options they have, if you're, if you're not good, you, you die. Well, that's just it. And yeah, there's a lot of free stuff out there and the advantage we have as content producers, I'm sorry, it's the new age content creators yes. uh, is, uh, is that the stuff that's out there for free typically really sucks too. Like people will always find a way to pirate something. I mean, you know, the internet mm-hmm. democratized the means of distribution, which meant someone like me could actually produce and sell content on the internet relatively easily. But that also means other people can pirate it and redistribute it as well. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's something we're always going to live with. And I think since day one, it's always been about staying just ahead of that curve, just one step ahead. Sure. You know, if you 
few pirate the stuff I made last week, someone's still going to buy the stuff that I made this week. Um, so, Jeez. you know, I, I, I'm still a little bit ahead of the game, right? So what are you doing about piracy? Nothing. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, that, I'm being flippant. Um, you know, it, it's, um, there's not much you can do. It'll always be there. If I encounter content, uh, in my travels, you know, I'll send the DMCA notice and it gets taken down. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm just a small guy and I tend to, uh, I'm a small organization and I tend to create a sense of community around what I do. Sure. So people aren't coming there like it's Amazon to buy stuff and, and return it or redistribute it. They're coming there to consume it. And, you know, incidentally, piracy will happen. Incidentally, people will share it in the wrong spots. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, one or two people will come in and be like, yeah, now I've got this and I can put it on this pirate site. But that's, you know, I, I keep hearkening back to Hillary Clinton talking about the basket full of deplorables. <laughs> uh, and really, I think what she was saying is like those people, I don't think she was saying those people are deplorable. I think she was saying that's a small percentage of what I have to deal with. And yeah. the, if I can appeal to the, the 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 larger sense of community of the people that are coming to my site, my my energy is better spent producing content for that than fending off the piracy on the backside, right? Yes, and uh, we got lots of deplorables in the United States. That's for <laughs> damn sure. Uh, at noon, right? What's that? <laughs> One less as of tomorrow at noon, unless you're a Trump supporter, in which case it'll be terrible to see him go tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're, we're recording this actually uh, the night before Inauguration Day. It'll drop sometime in February, but uh, it's a grand, grand day. Actually, it's the 20th here, so it's a grand day today. Today. Um, <laughs> it's a grand day in Canada, too. Uh, oh, we, I know. You know even even though we're not part of it, I always joke, you know, I always say, uh, people ask me about USA politics and I'm like, you know, if you guys didn't have such good TV, we wouldn't give a flying fuck what you did, <laughs> <laughs> but we need our friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watch Seinfeld yeah. Still. yeah. Boy, God knows. Right now. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a grand day for the world. Now, most of your sites have softcore twink solo scenes, um, why do you shoot softcore instead of hardcore? Ah, well, I, I, I am in a live, live work situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I do without the place where I live smelling like ass 24 hours a day. <laughs> 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 um, but I mean, that's funny. That's the, joke, that's the joke side of it, right? Like, it's like, okay, I'm going to film this stuff, but you know, do I have to make a mud pie? And I got to get away from that analogy when I'm talking about butt fucking. It's uh, <laughs> not going to make anyone. The, the reality is um, I, I keep talking about storytelling and my perspective when I'm shooting content and creating sites is that I'm giving someone sort of seeds for their own fantasy so sure. they can look at what I what I show them and that can sort of become a surrogate for something in their own lives. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they're looking at this guy and he kind of looks like someone that they know or someone that mm -hmm. they fantasize about, or maybe it's just a really hot guy and they enjoy watching him get off in that fashion. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't really feel the need to draw the dots. You know, mm -hmm. we do, we do some hardcore stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly when I do hardcore, it's BJ stuff. Like I'm really interested in the interaction and, and uh, mm -hmm. in how two people relate to each other, sure. as opposed to a graphic description of an act, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
So, you know, it, you won't see super tight close-ups. We'll make sure that you can see everything when I shoot the content. But it's really, it's about what's happening with two people, not the fact that there's a glistening insertion. You know, the funny thing is most porn, and I edit porn uh, through X Edit. So, mm. you know, I see a lot of different content from a lot of different people. Right. And, you know, a lot of porn, I won't say all porn, but a lot of porn is proof of insertion. Mm-hmm. And it's proving that it's happening from this angle. Now we're going to show you another angle to show that it's happening. And now we're going to show you another angle to show that it's happening. And now is a bright close-up to show that it's happening. And without the human side of that, it, there's nothing to differentiate that from something that was shot 20 years ago. Right. There's nothing to differentiate that from something that was shot on every other side of the internet. So by sort of dealing with the relationship, even if that relationship is one person sitting on the couch and the relationship is to themselves and sort of projecting out to the viewer, uh, I think that's more important. I think that's a little bit more interesting at the end of the day. Yeah. I do. You, I mean, I think there used to be more of that. Do you see that coming back and not only in gay porn, but in straight porn? God, I hope not. Cause it's kind of my speciality, right? If everyone's <laughs> just doing it again, I'll be like, fuck. <laughs> uh, but you know, what's, what's, um, the one thing that hasn't changed since I was doing this in the nineties to now is I think when people pay for porn, they're not paying for it because it's porn and I need porn. We're not in high school anymore. They're paying for something very specific. They want to see that person do that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that's, that's really what I'm selling when I, when I show people the solo twink stuff. Uh, mm. and you know, it's not, we don't show generic twinks. We, you know, the, the term on uh, you love Jack is buggered twinks. Mm. And that's not a twink who has been anally penetrated. It's a twink that's slightly off. <laughs> they've got quirky good looks. They're kind of, you know, buggered. <laughs> but somehow that makes them better, right? They're more approachable. Interesting. Now, you st- you started a foot fetish site called footwoody.com. Now, is gay yeah. foot fetish a big market? Oh, God, yeah. You know, mm. uh, oh, uh, you know, on the one hand, I kind of think the internet caused foot fetish because I grew up, when I grew up, before there was the internet, mm-hmm. there was no fetish. You never heard of it. Mm-hmm. No one had a foot fetish. The internet comes along, suddenly you can't go in any chat room and someone's like, show feet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's rampant. Uh, but it's as big in the gay market as it is in the straight market. It's mm-hmm. it's a very strong um, sub-genre. And it just makes sense to, um, it just makes sense to cater to it. I mean, you know, the biggest cost I have in running the site is attracting new models. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pay 1.3 or 1.4 times what I pay a model to attract a model to be on the site, mm-hmm. uh, through advertising and events and other things. Right. So once I have a model, I, you know, it makes sense to use them in as many possible ways as I can. So the sure. foot fetish site was a kind of a natural, a uh, natural extension on what I was already doing. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, it's really funny whenever I think of foot fetish, uh, which I don't have one, but anyway, I, I always think of that Eddie Murphy and Robin Gibbons movie boomerang. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I, I can't remember. It's a while ago. You gotta, you gotta find it and watch it. That was actually a very funny movie. But uh, anyway, yeah, it's a, it's about Eddie. It's about Eddie having a foot fetish. But anyway, yeah, he's quite notorious for that. You know, it's funny. Um, I've, I've been dealing in adult entertainment for 25, 30 years now, going on thirty years, 
And uh, it seems to me that the one thing that, that stands out about, let's like foot fetish or whatever, people tend to fetishize the parts of the body that produce aroma. And that is hmm. disgusting. Think about it that way, but they'll fetishize butts, they'll fetishize feet, they'll fetishize foreskin, they'll fetishize, the, the, it's always the parts. It's armpit fetish on the gay side. Hmm. Uh, and as long as there's some smell associated with it, there'll be a sight. We can go with it, right? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it's a weird thing. So how do you convey that when you're showing? Well, you can't really. We don't have a smell of vision, and it's a good thing. Um, because <laughs> oh, people... trust me, it's probably on its way. <laughs> Isn't everything? Isn't everything? One can only hope. <laughs> indeed, indeed. You'll use it. Now, now the most recent venture, uh, you mentioned it earlier, xxxedit.com. Now, tell us a little bit more about this project. Well, this is, uh, I mean, I'm an, a post-production service bureau for the adult industry. Uh, and as mm -hmm. far as I know, I'm the only editing company specifically designed uh, for the adult industry. Hmm. So, you know, we do everything from D DVD production, editing scenes, single camera, dual camera, clips, whatever someone needs, we can do it in-house. And we got really lucky last year. We won a, a bunch of awards in the industry uh, for scenes that we caught. Uh, and, you know, it's it's this whole thing that I've been talking about with storytelling and, and being able to sort of uh, expand beyond my own sites and my own scenes and sort of bring this ability to tell a story, help people tell stories to more and more people, it kind of inspired me to start this company and, and start working for other people as well. And, uh, you know, the big part of what I do when I'm, when I'm, uh, when I'm working with other clients, it's not just send me your content, I'll send you a scene, but I'm talking with them and I'm helping them understand the mechanics of dual camera shoots and mechanics of how to make a single camera look like two cameras and mm -hmm. you know how to shoot for the edit and how to actually convey the storyline that you're trying to convey because that's probably the one thing that everyone struggles with the most you know they'll they'll shoot their scene but the intro you know they'll the shoot their scene and it takes three or four hours to shoot an hour's worth of content but the intro is two and a half minutes and it takes them three hours because mm -hmm. they just don't understand the mechanism by which to actually create that uh so it, it's been really rewarding so far and I've, mm -hmm. I've been working with some really great people and uh, it's just amazing to see people sort of take little ideas and make their work, you know, grow and and, and sort of evolve uh, in a very short period of time. It's really amazing. So, hey, this is my this is my plug, right? If anyone's mm -hmm. got some editing work out there, I'm here to help you. <laughs> our, our poor editors. Uh, there you you go. know, we've got almost almost 60 years worth of uh, adult experience in the editing shop, and mm. uh, you know, since since the lockdown, there's not a lot of jobs going around. Sure, not, sure. Not a lot of people are producing anymore. So. No, not a lot of shooting going on. No, it's under, yeah, it's really a problem. Um, yep. But uh, that'll be the end of the industry before Visa, Visa finds well, right? Yeah, yeah, we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> I did, though. I brought it up. I'm the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Now, don't worry about it. Now, now you have your own sites. Um, uh, you kind of alluded to it, but what made you interested in editing other people's content? Well, yeah, it's just, it's just that. It's just it's just what I said, right? Um, you mm -hmm. know, it, it's really just about helping other people get their content to the next level. 
And it, sure. and you know, I'm not going to do it for every Tom, Dick and Harry that comes along. You know, if you're mm-hmm. a Dick <laughs> or a Harry, I'm not going to be that interested in working with you, but you know, mostly I'm, I'm working with my friends in the industry sure. and sort of just helping them with production design and production consultation and getting the stuff going. I mean, the actual banging out the scenes, that's easy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as, as long as you've got the right equipment, just about anyone can do that. Mm-hmm. Probably not as well as I personally can do it, but that's sure. another story together. But it's really, yeah, it's really about just bringing this, this sense of telling a story and the importance of story in every aspect of the adult industry. And then yeah. we're way beyond the, you know, did somebody order a pizza? It's <laughs> way more sophisticated than that now. Uh, and even if the story is as simple as, you know, we went back to this guy's house and had sex, that takes some structure in order to tell that story. So that it's sure. effective and believable, right? It doesn't have to be believable. It has to be plausible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not the it's not always the pool boy anymore. Huh? Uh, no, and even when it is, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny, you know, we've got a we've got a guy that cleans our pool and I always call him the porn star. Anyway, <laughs> Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, you're funny. I don't know. Now, now when you're, um, uh, you know, when you're doing the editing, do you ever find yourself rolling your eyes? <laughs> uh, do you mean rolling your eyes or trying to gouge my eyes out? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, listen, I, I, when you do it as long as I've done it, you know, the, the single, foundational aspect of what I do is that none of this content affects me in a sexual way anymore. No, what I'm, no, no. What I'm thinking, what I'm saying is do you ever think to yourself, God, this is really bad. Oh yeah. All the time. Mm. Uh, but that's my job is to fix that. Right. As, well, as sure. It's to make it as good as possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there, it, it doesn't really get to the point where, you know, there's there's a couple of jobs that I've had where I, where I thought, you know, if they were trying, I don't think they could make it look this bad. <laughs> like if someone was trying to be ironic, they would stumble, <laughs> and it wouldn't be as bad as it is. But you know, everyone has a bad day. The, the same company turns around the next the next shoot, and it's fantastic. So hmm. you know, you you've got to take the good and the bad. And it's we're all humans, and we don't always come to the. T- come to the shoot with our a game on right mm. uh so it's not about rolling my eyes that's the stuff that is uh frustrating as an mm-hmm. editor is when i can't convey the right information so that people keep making the same mistakes sure or they sure. keep not mistakes but they keep shooting things in a way that makes it more difficult to assemble right right you just realize that well these people have been doing it their way for mm-hmm. 20 25 years i'm doing it my way mm-hmm. and it's it's the lack of communication. It's my lack of communication that brings me there. So it's all my fault, Bruce. <laughs> now, are you do uh, how much of the of the editing is is uh, is gay content and how much of it is, it is uh, straight content? These days, it's almost exclusively gay. Mm. Mm. Um, I was doing straight content when we first started the thing up. Yeah, um, and uh, it was interesting to notice the difference. Uh, from the gay industry to the straight industry. What? No, no. Tell me about that. Um, the um, this all the straight stuff that I edited, and it could just be that the people that found me and wanted me to do their work was all rape fantasy. Hmm. And it's not. This is not what the straight market 
is entirely. No. But it's interesting that it was that, and then I get to, uh, you know, as opposed to the gay side where it's a sort of, all of the stuff that I'm working on is sort of like this sort of flight of fancy sort of modeled after some type of movie experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a big uh, story arc that goes through it. Yeah. And then the straight side is like, ah, bitch, get on the ground. And she's like, ah. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. The rape scenes are always the same, right? It's rough and, and push and push and push. Yeah. And at the end, the girl's like, oh, I love this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this I got to tell you, it's a good way for them to lose their processing. Well, that's just it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. As we found out from... Uh, mm. I mean, there, that was a slightly different There thing, are but. many issues. There are many issues. And uh, sometimes I think we're our own worst enemy. What's the, oh, yeah. what, what's the single most important thing for content producers to remember in today's market? Oh, I'm going to say uh, don't underestimate your customers. Uh, and this goes back to this this concept of story and production value. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, we don't need every scene to be a multi-million dollar pirate movie. Um, it, it's Jenna Jameson reference, right? Uh, mm. it, it's not that, but there's there's a sophistication now um, sure. that people have in how they consume this content. And if you underestimate that, you're just going to be, you're just going to lose someone forever. And it, yeah. you can never get back. So right. once you've got someone's eyes, you've got one chance to get them and your content has to, yeah, content has always been important uh-huh. since day one, but yeah. even more now Yeah, because there's so much of it out there. So right. you have, you know, it's like, uh, it's like going to a gay bar versus going to a straight bar. If you're a gay guy. You go to a, a straight bar, there might be another gay guy there, and you got a better shot than if you go to a gay <laughs> bar. There's 100 gay guys there, and half of them or most of them are way better looking than you are. Uh, if you have to compete against all the free stuff, if you have, there has to be a reason for someone to pay for your content. Yeah. And it's going to be story, it's going to be production value, and that's not just the best cameras, the best lights, although that helps, but it's it's the the way in which you actually present the content um, mm-hmm. in the and, you know, you, you can't just shoot the same scene over and over with different people standing in. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to be. And there's people out there that are that are doing a great job of it. The guys at Falcon do a great job of it. The guys at Raging yes. Stallion now uh, do an amazing job of it. Yeah. Uh, if I think uh, Helix does a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at what's going on with OnlyFans and all the derivatives uh, of that entire phenomenon and the way that those guys are catering to their market. Uh, you know, there's lessons to be learned there. Oh, big time, big time. On that, by the way, on that vein, how is that um, business model affecting your business? Not so much. I mean, it, it's just more competition. Um, yes. The funny thing about the, the OnlyFans thing from, from a professional perspective is the guys that are producing content have a market and they're catering to their market, right. but they're not necessarily marketers. They don't necessarily extend beyond what they've already done. Yeah. And it's a funny thing, like OnlyFans, there's no previews there. Hmm. Like there's no way for people to go there and browse. So you go there specifically to get something that you already know about. Whereas the people who come through my site might be like, hey, I want to see what this is about. So I've got the chance to sell them when they get to my front door yes. on what I want them to uh, to do or how, you know, how I could uh, get them off on that particular day. Yeah. Now, 
How important is technology for adult sites? Does everyone need the latest gear like uh, 4K or 8K cameras? Yeah. No. I mean, it's a funny thing. Everyone says you, you go through all these websites and, you know, they'll have all these 4K banners all over it. 4K is still one of those things where there's no way to deliver this content yet. Um, hmm. but a 4k camera looks way better than a 1080p camera. So right. if I shoot 4k and deliver in 1080p, it's going to look better, hmm. but you know, it's all catchphrases. It's just like, remember when 3d was a thing like 10 years <laughs> ago and everyone had to get 3d cameras Yeah. or remember when VR was a thing like five years ago and it was going to change the, it doesn't at the end hmm. of the day that the technology blips on the radar hmm. don't change the industry. The industry is about producing content and it's about stories and it's about, you know, giving people the experience that they're after. Right. How you wrap it is usually just a gimmick, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm a techno snob. Hmm. You know, I've I've always got the latest gear. Um currently shooting on a Sony A7S3, which is uh the you know, the camera of the year. It's the Jesus, hmm. Sony's new Jesus camera. <laughs> and it's great does a great job but it's just the camera that i have between the last camera i had and the next one i'm going to get yeah. <laughs> so, and none of them are going to make my ability to tell a story any better they're right. going to make the picture the pixels will look better right. but the story is all up to me so shoot hmm. it on the phone if you have to it's yeah nice. you, you can shoot some decent stuff on an iphone right now if you control the lighting properly, because yeah. uh, the dynamic range isn't there, yeah. but if you control the lighting and you know you set this thing up, there's no reason not to shoot stuff on an iPhone. Yeah, it, it really does great quality. Um, yeah. You know, get the right apps and sure. shoot on Film Pro. Don't shoot in the the native app. You have to control the shutter speed so it doesn't look a little wonky. But you know, the stuff's there. You can you can set up a studio with next to no money now right. and produce compelling content that would rival anything that Hollywood could have produced 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, Hollywood's mm-hmm. now running on hundred thousand dollar cameras, but right. it's a, it's a whole different ball of wax there, but you know, the, the, the tools are readily available. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to go crazy with it. Yeah, it's kind of like what happened with music a long time ago. Now, now you mentioned VR is that you, you seem to kind of be dismissive of it. Although a lot of people are using it, it doesn't sound like it's something you've partaken in. Is that, do you, do you see a future for it? Well, you know, the funny thing, but listen, I, the VR people are going to be up in arms. I'm not a fan. Mm-hmm. I think the one, the one good thing about VR mm-hmm. is it's an immersive experience that lets you look away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every time I've been in a VR type of demonstration, I'm like, look at the lamps. This is, this is cool. Look at all this. Uh, <laughs> Look at the deck. Isn't the decorating gorgeous? <laughs> it's, it's you know I don't think VR delivers on its promise because the camera is still stationary, mm. and until I can actually walk in the scenes and maybe walk around and get a different point of view on what I want to look at, it's not as compelling to me personally. Mm-hmm. And I know the live people love it, um, and mm-hmm. I and I know that there are there are are people that employ it with great fortitude and make terrific content with it. Yeah. It's just not something that's in my, uh, on my radar right now. Okay. 
Okay. What do you see as the future? This is a good good segue of online content. How do you see uh, the market changing moving forward? Um, I, I see it getting even more fragmented. Um, and I and I think that by fragmented, I mean more vertical, more niches. Mm. Yeah. Um, so micro sites, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're back to that. I think the the age of the mega site with 10 updates a week is not as compelling anymore. Right. I think, you know, people go and look, they'll still spend 40 minutes looking for the five minute clip that will get them off. <laughs> but the process of looking is where you have a chance to, to get your audience. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if, if I've got just, you know, abctwink.com <laughs> with generic content from 10 years ago, I don't think anyone's going to be, you know, some people will love it, but I, it's not compelling. It's not going to stop someone who's looking for things, Yeah, make them consider. So, you know, the online content's always been, it's always been the thing for me since day one where it's different than traditional marketing. Traditional marketing, you look at a mar- you look at the market, you figure out what's missing, you create a product to fill that need, and then you develop uh, a marketing campaign to let the market know, like, can I say market anymore? I'm like, <laughs> but it, online for online first you create a product and then you create a market for the product right it's kind of backwards yeah uh so when i say microsites i i really think that you know small like boutique sites are really where everything has gone and, and only fans in the in the you know the rabid success of things like that are really proof of, of this concept yeah um you know, they handed the power back to the, the models, which is a whole other political discussion. Yes. And, you know, right on, fight the power. Um, hmm. But uh, but that's I think that's really the reason it took off ultimately is because it's what people wanted. People yeah. wanted to follow, you know, this particular model and consume everything from that particular model. Hmm. And once they have it, they go on to the next person. Right? It's a it's um, a collecting sensibility right uh so you know and and when i say this i don't mean it's all going to be fetishes and you know midgets wearing boots smoking (laughs) cigars.com it's not that but it is really vertical it might just be you know redheads on bikes or you know what whatever it might be or foot fetish or you know a very specific subgenre of foot fetish Mm-hmm. Uh, Twinks wearing cowboy hat, like whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, it's not about recycling content. It's still about making really quality, good quality, new content, fresh content, um, but cater to a very specific market for that content. Okay. Now, under the pro am market has all but disappeared online. Do you think it's ready for a return? Well, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm pro am. Uh, it you know it's it's a tough one um there you need an entirely new set of skills now to mark to to find your traffic than you did 15 years ago when pro-am was really going crazy the content is still desirable the ability for people like me to make sites and and you know get them out to my customer i it's still good I, i can still do it but you don't get like there's really no affiliate market anymore, right? It's there. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's there. It's not like it was where I had 400 sites that would post my pics every time I did an update. Yeah, it's not like that. 
So you have to be a little bit more savvy and, and sort of play the social media game in order to get to the people who might buy your content. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not a quick and easy process. It's, um, it, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about SEO. Um, mm-hmm. I run a street photography website as well. Mm. And my entire SEO f- uh, strategy for the past search engine optimization the strategy for the past five years has been long-term content based. Produce content that the search engine will, will you know, search engine friendly content mm-hmm. that it still has value that, that can actually get the people who are looking for that content's eyes on it eventually. So it's the same thing, right? Now we have to sort of dance through social media and not allowing adults or not wanting adults. Some, you know, there's there's Hmm. different rules to what sites you're on, but there there's ways to get to your customers. uh, But it's not as easy as it was. So I think the, the pro M is, is set for a resurgence, but it's going to be a new kind of webmaster that can do it Hmm. or an old like me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're not a, you're not old compared to some people like uh the guy asking you questions now uh, crypt keeper <laughs> <laughs> now what other advice do you have for content creators and site owners today oh don't take your customers for granted don't think that your customers are stupid hmm and, you know, they're more important than they ever were because they're not just your customer now, but they'll remember and they will mm-hmm. come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got guys on my site now that have been there for four or five years mm. because they're so attached to the content and the way that I, I give them that content that there's no reason for them to go anywhere else or they forgot. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm the worst person in the world. You never know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it's. It's really, you know, have a, have a unique idea, have, give your content, give your site personality, uh, and, you know, be responsive, not to the market, but be responsive to your customers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, if you can, if you can do that, I think that you're, you've got a leg up on just about anyone else. That's awesome. Well, Hey, Carl, I'd like to thank you once again for being our guest on adult site broker talk. And I hope we get a chance to do this again really soon. How much does this pay again, Bruce? Uh, the checks the checks in the mail, Carl. Oh, good. <laughs> no, this was this was delightful. Anytime uh, you know you want my perspective on anything, let me know. I'm more than happy to connect across the ocean. Hey, my pleasure. My broker tip today is part three of how to buy a website. Last week we talked about finding the right site to buy. Once you find it, what do you do? Once you've either reached the broker of the site or the seller, review the information about the site. The broker should provide you with the following. A profit and loss statement of at least three years that's up to date. If it's June and they give you financials only through the end of the previous year, you need to see what the site is doing now, not last year. If it's the pay site, get a username and password for the site so that you can review the content. Ask how often the site is updated. Get some history on the site. How long has it been in business? The story behind the site. And importantly, why the seller wants to sell. Get an inventory of the content and how much of it has current technology. Find out if all the content is exclusive to that site. Ask the seller if the content has ever been on VOD or DVD. See if there are any clip stores the content is on. 
Find out how much the content costs to produce and what the current cost of production is. Very importantly, see if this operation can run without the current owner. Do they do the shooting themselves or do they hire someone to do it? And if there's an outside producer, will that person continue to provide content for the site? Find out how many new joins and rebuilds there are a day. Ask them what's the retention rate on the site. And find out if they do advertising on the site and where they get their traffic. Ask for Google Analytics access so you can see where the traffic comes from. This information will give you the opportunity to truly evaluate what it is you're buying. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to adult industry veteran Dan Hogue. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Carl Edwards. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.